Welcome back to season two of Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda, yours truly, the author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is part podcast, part talk show, part games, advice, and whatever else my delightful guests and I can cook up for you. My aim is to bring some hilarity, inspiration, and ultimately a jolt of energy to your day. Because we all need an extra shot of something. What's in your cup? Okay, hi, extra shot listeners. It's your host, Alicia Fernandez Miranda here. And today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject. That's right, puberty. If you've got some kids in the car with you or listening to this while you make your dinner, please keep them in the room because there is important stuff in here that they are going to want to hear from these two incredible women that I am so honored to have on this podcast. They are the host of the Puberty Podcast. They are the authors of This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained, and they are puberty queens. I think that is basically uh, an inarguable fact. So let me tell you about them before we jump into this interview, which is a must listen for anyone who's got preteens, tweens, teens, babies who will one day be teenagers. I mean, I actually think everybody should be listening to what they have to say. So Dr. Kara Natterson is a pediatrician and New York Times bestselling author of 10 books, including the Care and Keeping of You series. Vanessa Kroll-Bennett is a national bestselling author and puberty educator. And together, they are two of the most trusted voices on puberty. They co-host the Puberty Podcast and run the puberty-positive brand Umla, and have just launched an innovative health and sex ed curriculum for schools. Their best-selling book, This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained, became an instant hit featured on dozens of media outlets. And how great is that title? Cara and Vanessa speak regularly to audiences across the country, using science and humor to encourage open, albeit awkward, conversations, a relatable, reliable approach to keep kids safe and healthy. They don't just hand out this advice, they live it. Between them, they are raising six teenagers. Wow, they're doing a great job. Please enjoy this interview as much as I did with Cara and Vanessa. Cara and Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're so happy to be here. I have been waiting. I've been waiting for this. We scheduled this months ago, like when your book first came out. And I have been patiently waiting to ask you every single question that I have about raising teenagers, which is many, many, many questions. <laughs> we can come back, Alicia. This is not one and done. We promise. This is, I basically said that I like have this podcast to have people on it that I just want to talk to or catch up with or like get advice from. I'm constantly having people on here. I'm like, what are the hot destinations that I need to be booking a flight <laughs> to immediately? So this is this is why you guys are here. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Lay it on us. Whatever you want to talk about, we're here for. Well, we're here to talk about puberty, which is uh, everybody's favorite topic. Definitely the topic du jour in my house with 12-year-old twins. And thank goodness they don't listen to this podcast or they would be Horribly embarrassed that I even mentioned that word alongside with them. But you both are the authors of This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained, a phenomenal book that I just, I wish had existed when I was going through puberty, which is, I bet, something you hear a lot. A lot. Um, and you're also the hosts of the Puberty Podcast, where you talk all things puberty all the time. So I guess my first question is, what is it about puberty that has brought you both together and to this very public 
forum with these amazing videos where there's one ball lower than the other. I just watched that one on Instagram. I mean, I love it. It's I love am- it that's an amazing video. It's I'm amazing. And I also, lie. I didn't know that. Like I, as a 41, almost 42 year old woman just learned, learned about that. So what, tell me what brought you here and what brought you two together? Well, my journey started as a pediatrician in the office, and I took care of kids for many years, and then I flipped into a career writing. And as I was writing, it was all about health and medical things. My kids were getting older and entering the tween years, and I fell into this intersection of working on the care and keeping of you books from American Girl and raising tweens who were in the earliest stages of puberty. You want to talk about a job that embarrasses your children. (laughs) There you go. And so what became very, very clear very quickly is that there are beloved resources for kids out there that are limited to pages in a book. Mm. And so couldn't we do so much more? First for the kids, that was the initial idea. And then it was like, oh, wait, how about the zillions of parents who are guiding them through this stage of life who need to understand how it has changed since they went through their own puberty and who want information and language and recommendations, suggestions. So we are... We're the only show in town. We are the people who love (laughs) puberty. We love talking about everything that happens to the body and the brain and therefore the social and emotional experiences of kids between the ages of 8 and 18. And I met Vanessa, and as soon as she starts to speak, you're going to know why, I just fell head over heels for everything she has to offer in the world of puberty. And like, she is the yin to my nerdy Dr. Yang. And um, (laughs) nerdy Dr. Okay. So Vanessa, what's your meet cute? So the way I got into puberty is the way I get into it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, the second, the second time, the second time volitionally was I had built a company using sports and social-emotional learning to build girls' self-esteem because the data tells us that girls' self-esteem peaks at age nine and precipitously declines through the tween and teen years never to recover. Mm. And that was like a devastating fact. And I said, it doesn't have to be a fait accompli. We can do amazing things to counteract that reality. And so I started running sports classes for girls And I noticed really quickly that the girls in my classes who were in second and third grade were in puberty. And I was surprised and my coaches were surprised and their parents were surprised. So we started running puberty workshops for girls and their parents, later expanding to kids of all genders in New York and LA. And a mutual friend of mine in Cara said, you have to meet each other. And I was like, I can't meet her. She wrote the American Girl Karen Keeping of You books. Like she's puberty royalty. Like I, 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 you know, I don't deserve puberty royalty. Oh my God. You and need a tattoo that says that somewhere. I know, totally. She needs a t-shirt. And then we met and we like just kept thinking of all of the ways that we could change the narrative about puberty, that we could give people information in a way that felt joyful and less overwhelming and more empowering and So that's what we aim to do, to take this dreaded stage of life and actually turn it into something fun. Where do you think kids now are getting most of their knowledge about puberty? And do you think that's different than when we were growing up? I mean, 
a lot of them are reading these books, right? They These books have staying power and they have circulated by the millions, not just mine, but other books in the space too. And, and so I think we can't ignore that sort of older school content. But I mean, look, we all know they're getting their information online. They're getting their information from one another. So that's another old school way, but also online from one another and online from people who are either just a little bit ahead of them in the process who are speaking experientially, but not as experts, or they're getting it from people who claim to have expertise, some of whom do. Mm-hmm. There are some great sources of information out there. And like some us. of whom. Like us, and some of whom really don't, but because they give the aura of authenticity and validity, mm. kids and adults get sucked into their web of thinking that their bodies are going to change in this way and they need to do X, Y, and Z to control it, or their moods are going to do this, and here's this supplement you can take to shift it. Mm. So they, you know. I, we all knew the answer to this question, and yet the it's it's more even that the way in which they're living in this new sandbox that throws the adults who are raising them uh, for a big, big loop because the adults grew up with different um, sources of information. Yeah, I was I was recording the intro to this just before talking to you and mentioning how as an intelligent young woman. For many years, I still thought that you could get pregnant from a hot tub because Seventeen Magazine's uh, advice column was basically where I got all of my mm-hmm. health yeah. and biology information. It was not from my parents. It was it was from there, from those pages. Yes, and it was supposed to be valid. Right, and if you think about... It was not. If you think about TikTok, in some ways, it's sort of the today's equivalent of those like quizzes and questionnaires and columns. And in other ways, it's... Uh, like a tsunami version of that because it's A, so much more, like there's so much more content out there and B, there's no editorial director looking to see what gets up there. Anything can get up there. And again, there are some, you know, some great sources, but kids are getting a lot of unreliable information and parents don't know, like we know what books we buy our kids, so we know what books they're reading. Yeah. But we don't necessarily know what they're watching online unless we get curious and kind of check in with them. And so that, to anyone listening whose kid is on social media, take this opportunity to kind of sidle up to them and say, hey, I was just Howdy, looking partner. At- <laughs> Howdy, partner. <laughs> hey there, fella. I was just looking at my feed and it's like 90% sloths and raccoons eating grapes. And I'm wondering... Does your feed look anything like mine? I'm guessing it doesn't. Like, can I take a look what's on yours, right? So we're not like, hey, are you getting all your sex ed from TikTok and from unreliable people? I need to see your phone right now. It's Mm. like chill, curious, low-key, fun, funny, but you're still getting some information. Vanessa, I feel like what you just did is I'll show you mine, you show me yours, which you did, but in the most puberty-appropriate way. And in the least creepy. <laughs> but actually, that's amazing. And it was a question that I had because sometimes with my own kids, I find almost the hardest part is to broach the subject at all and to get them to want to talk to me. I'm either yeah. like the most embarrassing person in the world or, you know, it it 
provokes this very strong emotional reaction of like, I don't want to talk about this. So I love that you gave that example. I mean, are there others that you have found work with your own kids and that you share in terms of, you know, like getting kids to follow you because you've got content for kids and for or for teens and for adults, but also getting them to open up about these subjects that they feel embarrassed to talk about. I mean, Alicia, you have twins, right? So you have a really fascinating situation in that you have kids the same age, but as you know, temperament, personality, comfort level varies from kid to kid, and each adult has their own comfort level and temperament. And so um, we used to say to people, like, it depends. And they're like, no, just tell us what to say because, like, we've got to have this conversation, so give us a little help. So... Take in mind temperament and personality. Some kids are happy to sit there across from a dinner table with you and like spew everything they heard in school that day. And some kids need like the right temperature in the room and the right blanket on their lap or the right snowfall outside while you go for a walk with the dog and like the perfect moment, right? So everybody has like a different way into these conversations. The things to remember are no shame, no judgment and no dumping on their friends in the process of getting curious. Mm, That's a good one. Because those things shut them up as opposed to make them more willing to open up. Yeah, and and the other thing is, as Vanessa said, that the temperaments and the personalities and the dynamics of the dyad are all unique. So you have twins, and yet I can guarantee without you even telling me that your interaction with one is not identical to your interaction with the other, right? Mm. And, you know, so you have to honor, sometimes a kid will either not be communicative by nature or will not be communicative in this moment for some Mm -hmm. reason. And your way in looks totally different than when a kid is just an open book and completely willing to share. Alicia, do you have a kid who's like, I absolutely do not want to talk to you about this? Like, please. Yes. Okay. I do have so, one of those. Okay. But, then sometimes, but then sometimes, you know, in the right moments, like right before bed, that's always the time. Yes. Like right before bed is when we have to talk about things. Then, you know, the thing that I wanted to talk about that he absolutely didn't want to talk about, he might come with a little bit of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, they're so young still. And I worry that like, if I'm already getting this pushback at 12, like what's going to be like at 15, you know? So here's what I'll say about that. One is, so Car and I have six kids between Oh, I us. saw that in your bio. I'm very yeah. impressed. <laughs> and with all different- <laughs> Not pers- together, though. Not together. That would be, that would also be amazing, but- There are know, other separate. partners involved in the, in the process. But what's interesting is, not only do kids change, are di- kids different from each other within a family, but they also change over time. So- Yes, you have kids who are more introverted and kids who are more extroverted. You have your reporters and you have your observers and listeners, right? Like you have all those things. But also the way they are at 12 is actually often quite different than the way they are at 15. Mm -hmm. And so we hear from parents so often like, I'm having so much trouble getting into conversation and I'm worried I will never, ever be in conversation again with my kid. And we're here to reassure everyone that that's not a fait accompli. That doesn't have to be the case that you, just as they grow up and get better at being adolescents, so do we grow up and get better at being parents of adolescents. And we build the muscle of figuring out how to have these conversations with kids. And one thing I like to do, because I'm the master of too much information, is 
I like to narrate when I'm having a conversation with a kid and I'm feeling really nervous. And so I'll say, oh my God, dude, my pits are sweaty. Like the hair standing up on the back of my neck. I feel slightly nauseous, but we got to talk about this. So like five minutes, we're going to talk about it. And then you can like go out and shoot baskets and like give yourself a time limit, acknowledge how you're feeling. Don't make them feel like they're going to be trapped in a four-hour lecture. And usually that kind of lifts some of the stress in the conversation. Oh, hey, here's a reminder. If you want to hang out with me in the beautiful highlands of Scotland and the busy, fabulous streets of London, I still have a few spots left on my small intimate retreat that I'm hosting in October 2024. We're starting in London. We are taking the sleeper train up to the north and we're spending three nights at Kinloch Lodge doing the most amazing things, eating incredible food, and being served by people who are not me, which is going to be a bonus. I would love to have you on this retreat. You can check out my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more info. But please book without delay, because once it's full, it's full, and then you can't come anymore. But I would love to see you there. Do you think that you are better at this with your youngest children than you are with your oldest children, given the the, kind of experience? The first pancake? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The first first pancake. pancake. Yeah. I feel for parents of twins so deeply. Yeah, I don't get to do it. One, I don't get to get better at it. (laughs) You have two first pancakes. Can you imagine having triplets? Three first pancakes. I cannot. That was my only saving grace when they were babies. I was like, at least it's not triplets. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could talk so much about the parents of triplets and quad. I I just get down on my knees. God bless you. you all. (laughs) Yes. Yes, of course. But you learn from your mistakes Mm. as the adult in their life. But also what you learned with number one is so radically different than what number two is going to put out there, partly because they're different people and partly because they're like, aha, I saw how that worked and I'm going to go this way. (laughs) So yes, and. I mean, I, Alicia, I turned to my second kid who at the time was 15 and I like had read something that sort of illuminated to me all the ways I had been parenting him incorrectly for, oh, God. Like, <laughs> you know, a decade and a half. And I looked at him and I was like, I am so sorry. Like, I didn't understand you until now. And now I understand you. And I think I'm going to do so much better. And I <laughs> apologize for the last 15 years. And he, we were actually on a plane and sitting across the aisle from each other. And he like reached out his hand and he was like, don't worry, mom, it's okay. And I was like, like tears in my eyes. Cause you know, you cry on a plane, like so much easier. And oh God, of course, always. By the way, he didn't say to me, no, no, you were so no, you're wrong. <laughs> he wasn't like, no, mom, you've been amazing for 50. Like there was no affirmation. It was just like forgiveness. It's not fine. affirmation. <laughs> and like, it's fine. And I, I so appreciated that. And I think he appreciated me acknowledging the ways in which I had fallen short. So to people out there who are like, I screwed up last week, last month, in my case, for the last decade and a half, you always get a do-over. You always get a do-over. You always get a chance to circle back, whether it's the tiny conversation about that one thing that you had to talk about that you did all wrong, or it's like, the child's entire age span up to that point, 
you always get a chance to do over and to acknowledge it and to name it. And it builds so much trust and love in your relationship. So to anyone listening who's like, I blew it and there's no going back, that's not true. There's always a chance to go back. I love this. I think I can probably count on one hand the number of times my parents apologized to me. That was like not a thing they did, you know? Totally. Well, but it was it was a thing that they were told not to do. Right. They, they were told that it undermined their authority. I mean, that was really the parenting strategy of the day. Yeah. And it turns out that's wrong. Yeah. So they were they were the ones that got it wrong. I came out okay of the end, but I think that <laughs> resilience. So, you guys, the book came out. You went all around. You were on TV. You were all over the place. Tell me about your experience of launching the book into the world and actually getting to meet your readers and your listeners face-to-face. So it was a total blast. It was very tiring. We abandoned our families at home. Like we like abandoned our tweens and teens so we could go out in the world to talk about caring for tweens and teens. So the (laughs) irony was not lost on us. I would say Besides meeting our listeners and our readers, which was like so thrilling and incredibly nourishing and wonderful, the other total privilege and joy of going on our eight-week book tour across the country was getting to meet practitioners and writers and thinkers and experts around the country who do all the work adjacent to us. Mm. And like creating this web of community with all of these incredible people, really uh, the people, uh, really all women actually. And it was this like really joyful, nourishing aspect of like sitting down and being in community with them over the course of that eight weeks. Well, not all women. I mean, there were definitely, it's just majority women, I would say. Mm -hmm. But but there were men who, I think men... You know, 25% of our podcast listeners are men. That's amazing. It's a stunning statistic because men are written off as not caring about any Mm. of this stuff, and that is absolutely not true. They completely care about it, but to Vanessa's point, they don't necessarily show up in the physical space for a whole bunch of reasons. No, I just meant women who were doing the work that we're doing. So shout out to Christopher Pepper. Oh, those women. And yes, there's Christopher. Who's, who's an amazing health educator in the Bay Area who has a book coming out next year. So will Alicia connect you to him? We'll get him on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> He's amazing. He's amazing. But the audience was tons of men, which was so incredible and a total blast because they love asking questions from the yep. audience. That's yep. I love that. And I think one thing I love about your content and that you have it in these short bursts is that like sometimes, like I'll never get my husband to read a whole book, but I can send him like an Instagram reel and he will listen to it and watch it. And I, it's, you know, I think I've, I'm the type of person that very much seeks out information when I'm confused about something. I'm like, oh, puberty, let me read every book that's ever been written about this because this is all terrifying. Whereas my husband is like, could you please send me the under 90 second reel that I can Can learn? Can I have the spark notes? Okay. So Alicia, this is why we create all different forms of content for different people and why we are starting to point to different short forms of pieces of content and say to people like, 
forward this meme to your partner, forward this meme to your kid, right? Like there are things that will speak to people who are certain types of learners Mm -hmm. and who absorb information in a certain type of way. And what I love about the way you presented it is you presented that with no judgment. You're like, okay, that's how he does it. I do it differently. And that is exactly I mean, when he listens to this, he's going to come back and be like, I can't believe you threw me under the bus on that puberty podcast. But you didn't because he gets his information in a way that works for him. And here's the good news. There are so many platforms out there in the world that present information to him in that way. The only thing is, it's a little hard, and this is where we started the conversation, to wade through what's valid and what's not. What's reliable and what's not. And sometimes what's relatable, what's funny, what's fun is not at all the truth. And so how do you tease that apart? And so here we are. I love it. I have to say that part of why I wanted to have you on is because I feel really good and reassured after either listening to you or talking to you that I've not totally screwed everything up and I still have hope. This has been an amazing conversation. Before I let you go, I want to know if anything comes to your mind as like a facepalm moment of your parenting journey, somewhere where you've just really screwed up that you are happy to share with our listeners. How much time do you have, Alicia? Because I have. (laughs) I would say a recent example was when my 13-year-old left his backpack like in the sports center and we were, it was a Friday night after homecoming and we were leaving the school and he called me and he was surrounded by his friends to say he had lost his backpack And me being the total hypocrite that I am, do as I say and not as I do, started screaming at my 13-year-old about like, how could you lose your backpack? And I got to go. And like, what's going on? You know, just like the worst possible out of control reaction. And I got a call 10 seconds later that he'd found his backpack miracle of miracles. And then he got in the car and I like, he hadn't even buckled his seatbelt. And I looked at him. And I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I reacted totally out of proportion. A backpack is not a big deal. You didn't deserve to be shouted at. And I apologize. And we're going to get through this. And he was like, thank you, mom. And yes, it was really embarrassing, but thank you for apologizing. (laughs) I mean, I'm like Vanessa. I have an endless stream of face palm moments in parenting. You know, I'm thinking about my experience recently with my daughter who is in college. So there's, there's, it never ends, right? (laughs) So our influence wanes, but the verb parenting never ends. And, you know, what I think about a lot is navigating this balance between safety and independence. Mm. And I am definitely the parent who sent her kid out into the world saying, I want you to be independent. I don't I don't have apps that follow her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet we're all in the same family, find my, right? And yeah. by the way, that's been forever and our kids like to know where we are. And mm-hmm. like, and so I do have that app, right? But I say I don't track and I say I don't do this and I say I don't do that. And I I find myself cringing at the hypocrisy of what I think I'm doing or what I, the parent I want to be versus kind of looking at the little details of mm, maybe I'm breaking my own rule. And so I've had moments recently where it's like, you know, how are you? Where are you? And she's like, uh, yeah, I, I know where you are right now. So I know you know where I am right now. And I haven't figured out that balance for myself, yeah. right? So I really actually don't look, but 
I obviously have not found the balance that's right for me. (laughs) And I think it's a bad parenting move. Like I really actually think when your kids are old enough, the constant tracking and following is a mistake. Yeah. But it's a mistake that I'm having a really hard time correcting because I'm stuck on the what if scary scenario. Um, So what do I do? I just own it. And I just in conversation with my kids about it. And they, you know, until they say, we don't want to know where you are either. It's working in balance for us, but it it does feel like a cringe parent moment. Thank you for sharing that. Puberty queens, they're just like us. <laughs> I think the best place to finish up. Cara Vanessa, thank you so, so much. This is so awkward. Modern Puberty Explained is out. You can get it anywhere in the Puberty Podcast, available where podcasts are found. Thank you guys so much for coming on the Extra Shot. Thanks for thank having you. us. So fun. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. A very special shout-out goes to my superstar team at Texture Sound for their support. Find out more about what I'm up to, my writing, events, and even the retreat I'm planning in Scotland at my website, aliciafmiranda.com or Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I'll talk to you next week.